Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. I'm Gabe. And together we're continuing the dialogue, the learning, the counseling. I mean, we're learning so much from Chip and from all the different people we're having on. And this is our Emotional Health Series brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. And we hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. Yes, absolutely. If you are liking what you're hearing, all these emotions, the energy in motion that we're learning about our feelings, please join us November 17th and 18th in Franklin for our Emotional Health Retreat. We will have Dr. Chip Dodd with us. We will also have Dr. Kurt Thompson with us, leading voices in these topics that help us live holistic and healed in our emotional health. What's fun about these retreats is actually meeting the other people who are there. The room is full of wonderful people from all over the country who are thinking about these things and trying to do better. And you learn a lot by even hearing their questions and the things they're struggling with and working through. And so it becomes kind of this group session of learning, of conversation, of lunches and dinners, where you're meeting people and building new friendships as well that help in our learning. This is our third annual year doing this of this emotional health focus because we found back in 2020 that there was such a need for this. Some people can't do counseling year-round. Maybe you want to take a couple days and you want a deeper dive. And we find that what you'll learn in that group session um, is exponential. You'll just get so much in these two days worth of listening to uh, Gabe and I will host and, and guide. And then we'll also have John and Lisa Bevere with us who have a lot of life experience teaching us some of this. We've got Kurt, like I said, as well as Chip. But what we want this to feel like is a little time before the holidays to kind of refresh, um, unpack where you are, and be be re-energized and re- encouraged in your emotional health. Yeah, so join us. Uh, you can learn more about that retreat at rebeccalines.com slash EH retreat. And so sign up, register, be a part of that with us. Also, we're making available at rebeccalines.com slash emotional health a guide that helps you go through the journey we're on together around these eight emotions. You not only get to see access to the video conversations Rebecca and I had with Chip, so you can sit and watch those with your spouse, with a friend, with a group of friends, maybe it's with your children, and you can create these conversations in a setting that for you is going to bring healing. And that's our hope with that. So go to RebeccaLyons.com slash emotional health. So today we are kicking off the topic of loneliness. And this is a big one. We're in the middle of a loneliness epidemic, which happened before 2020. We talked about this back in 2019 when we first launched the podcast, but it's only been compounded because of all the isolation that had to happen in the next two years. Yeah, we know that loneliness is a feeling that many people would say is what they feel most. And so as we're going through this series, we're going to hear different emotions, sadness, anger, shame, anxiety, a lot of these different feelings that people reference. But loneliness is showing up in all the data that people feel lonely. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're alone, 
It doesn't mean that there's not people around them. It's that they don't feel known. And so as we have this conversation today with Chip Dodd, we're going to press into what does it really mean to be lonely and where does it lead? So over half of Americans, 58% said that they feel lonely. And around that same number, 53% say it's difficult to make friends. So if you're feeling lonely and it's also difficult to make friends, you're kind of stuck in a loop of how. what do we do with this feeling of loneliness? Yeah, and technology certainly plays a part in that. Everybody's recognizing how much that's maybe made us less interested in other people or Mm -hmm. not understanding how to make eye contact or how to make friends. Mm -hmm. But the more we can understand what the gift of loneliness is, that when we do feel that feeling, that there's a benefit to it, that God's meant for us when we feel lonely to, again, move towards others, to move towards relationship. And so we're going to listen and talk with Chip Dodd about that. And then following that, we have with us Max Licato. So many of you have read his books, love Max. He's amazing and such a gentle soul, so pastoral in the way in which he engages us. He recently wrote a book, Help Is Here, and he's going to help us understand how he's seeing the loneliness epidemic and how it's playing out in the people that he pastors, as well as what we can do about it and how we can find comfort in not just other people, but also in God who is here. This Emotional Health series is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible, referred to as the CSB. Now, this is a Bible translation that blends accuracy and readability, so you don't have to choose between literal or paraphrased Bible translation. With hundreds of different editions, ranging from study Bibles and note-taking Bibles to premium and kids' Bibles, you're sure to be able to find one that fits your needs. Now, you know Rebecca and I read the Bible a lot, and I know for Rebecca, this has been the version that she's been using. It's been the version that she goes to that... When I see her early in the morning with Scripture open, she's reading the Christian Standard Bible version, and it's helped illuminate so many things and bring a lot of new perspective to Scripture. The Study Bible takes that to the next level. You're going to get to see all kinds of additional commentary. You're going to be able to see visuals, maps. You're going to better understand the Bible, which is the most important book any of us could read every day. So I hope you'll take a moment and go learn more about the Christian Standard Bible at csbible.com. So last week we talked about hurt and how hurt leads the heart towards healing. Yeah. And it gives you the courage because you've experienced mm-hmm. it. And each week we are going to talk about the redemption of that yeah. emotion. And so thank you for taking us there. Um, for those who didn't hear, go back and listen because you're going to want to, you're going to, yeah. <laughs> you're going to keep yeah. mining hurt that matters, one. matters, right? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. It, and it threads through every other emotion. That's yeah. why we wanted to start there. To, mm-hmm. This week we are going to start with loneliness. Okay. Uh, and I think this is so powerful. You tell us here that in truth, loneliness is the gift that speaks to how much is right with us while also pointing out to how much has gone wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So you get to see both extremes in that feeling of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And one thing you say um, that's so profound, loneliness often speaks to our need to be with and know ourselves. It reveals our need for solitude. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think people who feel lonely often go, I need to distract myself with people all the time. And I remember living in New York City, 8 million people in the span of 11 miles, and yet I felt alone. Uh, I felt loneliness. And part of that is you can be at a party. I've talked to my kids about this. You can be in a room with a ton of people and still in your soul feel this echo of loneliness. So why is that the case? Mm -hmm. And what do you do with that? Yeah, it's great. You know, Gabe mentioned in, the uh, I think, the podcast before this one that he does journaling. Mm -hmm. So speaking of solitude. And he's using his head to go explore his heart, you know? He's, mm-hmm. And so in that journaling, he's connecting head and heart together. 
And that is what we do in the practice of solitude. We spend time with ourselves because believe it or not, when we're not together, integrated, we're not remembered, Mm. uh, that loneliness becomes more profound. Mm. And, And that is the need to attend to yourself so you can be stronger, more resilient, more capable, know more with questions to ask, the relationships to seek. So loneliness is a feeling within us that tells us we're made for relationship. Sometimes with self, I need to spend time with me, sometimes with others. And solitude, uh, rather time with yourself, can cut two ways. I'm going to go and be by myself so I can get away from myself too. Mm. It's called isolation. Versus I'm going to go sit with me and listen to what's happening inside of me. The Psalm 16 says, even at night, my heart Mm. instructs me. Right. So, I mean, there's a listening that we need to do. Yeah. And it's amazing how solitude always leads to wondering. Mm. And wondering always leads to questions. And questions always lead to conversations with God yeah. or the, the universe itself or right. wondering if life is really good. Right. And it turns out, too, that good things happen to people who are known, even as you mentioned, walking the sidewalks of New York City or walking in a public high school, you know, private high school. If we're not known, then we are alone. Mm-hmm. Good things happen to people who are known from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And we're all made to be known. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yet in our society now, in so many ways, this amazing vibrancy of social uh, technology has allowed us to have massive uh, contact, but still has not increased our capacity for connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we'd say from we're in a out. loneliness epidemic, and yeah. yet people are connected yeah. and yet we have less solitude yeah. because typically a device is with us in those places where oh. we're alone i mean you could watch standing in line for something i mean if there's like one second yeah to just be with yourself yes. or your thoughts yes or present there tends to be a habit of just let me look yes. at something yes and you know gabe even as you're you know talking to me and rebecca it's like we're, we're this may sound a bit silly but we're looking into each other's faces we're looking at each other's eyes and it's amazing that they, they've shown that uh, the gigabytes of a computer screen can't keep up with the speed of the human eye mm. and the human brain, which is connected to the human heart. And even as we're talking to each other, there are questions we're wondering, thoughts we're having, experiences we're related to. I mean, it's just amazing. Right. Yeah. Do you know how we're much just- is happening? If we can't speak it to each other, then we're not known and where there's always that distance between us you know well and that's why in 2020 everyone got zoomed out like they were like we can only do so many zoom meetings right you're trying you're trying to do the best you can with what you've been given at that moment but it's not the same Mm -hmm. the embodied presence we talk all the time about this Mm -hmm. that when he says make your bodies a living sacrifice that Mm -hmm. means your bodies your actual bodies Mm -hmm. (laughs) your brain your eyes your heart show up with your whole self self. Mm -hmm. and he said don't be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed so even the pattern of our cultural moment right now is to not show up with your whole body. Yes. It's to show up, you know, yeah. almost fractured and fragmented to all the things that are open on our screen. Yeah. So we're giving just a portion of ourselves, which in, inherently means we are not able to be known. Like we're, 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 we're glancing up at life. Right. A- instead of glancing at the screen. Right. And we're in the screen and not in life. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, that, and we're also lonely. Yes. Yes. Increasing it. And you've seen some of the studies that's, that said that, was it 2007 or eight? It's how many confidants do you have? And at mm. that time it said three. 
And then the same study was done some years later. How many confidants do you have? And it came down to none. Wow. So this, this contact flood is also a connection mm-hmm. diminishment. Right. And you mentioned the, um, the beautiful, you mentioned Romans 12, like, you know, in view of this mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And what's amazing about that beautiful passage, it's not an assignment in terms of, um, of like just the command. It says, in view of this mercy, and if you go backwards, Paul's climbed these great heights. And he says, in view of the mercy, in terms that we can cry, Abba, Father, we mm-hmm. can bring, ask, seek, knock mm-hmm. to the Father mm-hmm. and others. It says, the Spirit testifies with my spirit, which means you're integrated into relationship, right. that a level of loneliness has ended right. and a period of tremendous connection has occurred. Right. Now, in view of this healing, this mercy, this kindness, now, Go give it away, man. Mm-hmm. Go offer yourselves completely to life and mm-hmm. life to the full mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. voice of the heart. I mean, right. yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I love that. Try it there, no, but, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, and the solitude, let's be honest, isn't just us hearing our thoughts, it's the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, our communion with God, yeah. and that intimacy and that still small voice and, and reflecting his word back to him. Yeah. Like that is conversation, that is communion, that is intimacy. Yes. So, so when I'm alone, it's uh, solitude mm-hmm. is actually happening with God. If I, if I fix my eyes on him and my heart on him, my gaze is on him, there might not be another human in the room, but I don't feel alone at all. There's, there's more integration than ever right. so that I may be filled. And then out mm-hmm. of that overflow, then go yeah. offer that communion to someone and, else. Yes. And that, that loneliness also, even sometimes standing there or sitting there or praying with God, also awakens us to our loneliness for mm. a child we need to attend to, a right. relationship that needs right. to be addressed, or a need of someone that that will address our mm. hunger yeah. for mm-hmm. completion of friendship or intimacy. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm lonely for Sonia, who I'm married to, and sometimes I'm lonely for my buddies, my friends, to encourage me to love Sonia better. I mean, mm. you know, yeah, yeah, that's right. good. So there are levels of loneliness. Yeah. Levels loneliness for myself, loneliness for God, loneliness for others, mm-hmm. and they're ranked, and then loneliness to create. Yeah. yeah. There are four mm-hmm. movements of loneliness. Mm-hmm. So in loneliness, one of the ways we can respond to that if we don't quite understand what's going on is get really apathetic, right? And start yeah. to go, I don't need relationships. Yeah. I'm I'm the kind of guy that likes I'm a loner. Yeah. I, I kind of do life myself. I I don't need to spend time investing in relationships. Yeah. That's wasting time. I'm not time. like other people. Yeah. yeah. And, and I know some people need it, but I don't need it. That's when we're being unhealthy. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about how we can recognize when we're doing that. And then I want us to move to, well, what does it look like to, to respond and see the gift in yeah, loneliness? Yeah, that's great. That, that loneliness is a, 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 a fact of birth, number one. And so there are people who say, I'm not like that, or I'm not like other people. Well, automatically, you know that that person's in denial. Because if they don't face that they're 99.9% identical to everyone else on the face of the earth, then that is a separation from. And we know that there's a wound, there's a pain, there's a, some, something's happened for that person to do that. But when we start moving away from how we're created, apathy starts to take over. And apathy is, I don't care. I am without pathos. I'm without pain. I'm without like others. I'm, I'm not connected like other people have to be. Mm. So apathy becomes kind of a matter of pride. It's a decision to remove myself from being like others. It's a claim of self-sufficiency. 
welcome to the corporate structure, welcome to the corporate ladder, welcome to the CEO's world, which is uh, often a a world of quiet desperation. Mm. And if we don't attend to our loneliness, what we do to get away from it will take us over. Mm. I mean, it's, it's amazing that if you, if we don't attend to the organ of the heart, Mm -hmm. then the other organs of the body will attempt to compensate and take over. Yeah. You said that the irony of loneliness is the more you avoid it, the more it occurs. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) What a warning. Right. Because you you keep going, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. How far can I run from myself? Well, wherever you go, there you are. Right. That's why the geographical cures never work. Right. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. So what is the gift of loneliness for those as as they're trying to grapple with, okay, I don't love feeling this, but I, I have this. I have yeah. this in my heart for yeah. a reason. Well, put those feelings on the dashboard, and they're just light indicators to say to attend to yourself. So, 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 reacting is an action we take to get away from something. Hmm. Responding is an action we take to attend to something. So we have a response ability to attend to how we're created. We have the ability to respond, and that's where we get the word responsibility, which we want all adolescents to be right. Yep, you got to yep. be responsible. But we don't want you to do feelings. Mm. When actually the only way to be able to live fully is by responding to them. So loneliness is a feeling that tells me I need to respond. I need to attend, listen to what's happening within me and address it appropriately, which means reach out towards who I miss, reach out to who I need, reach out to who I want to be close to. And it's a scary proposition. I have mm-hmm. a, a dear friend. And I, I love just, we, we spend a lot of recovery time together, just mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, stay thriving, stay man, stay focused, stay, stay forward pressing, stay caring, and uh, attend to your responsibilities. And uh, I, I went over to his house one night. We probably meet once a week, once every two weeks. I came up on his back porch and I said, hey, uh, I need to know, I'm not that guy, am I? <laughs> you know, that guy. <laughs> that guy, you know, like, I'm not that guy, like you tell your wife, like, oh, no, he's coming over again. He wants to yeah. hang out. Or, yeah. He invited me over to hang out in his courtyard. Is this again. reciprocal? Yeah, you gotta think, I'm not that guy. He goes, no, man, you're like my best friend. Like, I just needed to know because I don't want to lie. I don't, I don't want to fake a, a bond. I don't mm. want to fake friendship because I can be lonely somewhere else. But if this is real, mm. it's mm. a salve. Mm-hmm. to my being yeah you know it is a connection yeah because yeah. if i am that guy let me know i go yeah i and think you not let me know yeah i think you really touched on this with loneliness because mm-hmm. a lot of people unlike hurt are able to identify that they're lonely yes um but they feel powerless missing something in yeah. that right mm-hmm. and so giving them the agency to say if you do feel lonely which so many people do acknowledge mm-hmm. that they do statistics are crazy mm-hmm. now they only keep growing especially after covid and isolation mm-hmm then do something, right? And don't escape and avoid it because we know it just continues to occur, but go, what are the proactive steps I can take to reach out to someone and initiate? Mm -hmm. I know for me, I have several people that I'll text and be like, let's get together. I'm hopeful that you will desire this too. And then sometimes the response is, I thought you'd never ask. You know, like sometimes when we initiate just connection so that we can have that vulnerability. Um, it happens naturally, but we're afraid that that person's too busy yes. or that group is too busy, but often they're just waiting for an invitation as well. Yes. In our wounds, we often assess ourselves as less than the other person so often. Yeah. Mm, and it really does require that yeah. we ask, yeah. ask, seek, knock. Yeah. Like we talked about 
But I mean, it really is reaching out into me, see intimacy. Mm-hmm. It starts with into me, see, mm-hmm. or somebody else doing the same thing and we meet them in that. Right. But it's amazing how loneliness calls us to reach towards relationship. And in that, we do find a fulfillment and a strength. Intimacy, friendship. Aristotle said that a friend doubles your joy and cuts your sorrows in half. It's worth it. I mean, we're made <laughs> to good. burden each other yeah. with, with relationships so because good. together we're stronger than we are apart, all those different sayings. And isolation is the place where addiction has its power. Wow, And we have, we really do have a society that is controlled by addiction. I mean, really and truly, if we went through the numbers, and and this isn't for this podcast, but if we went through the numbers, it would be astounding. Yeah, Yeah. Like America uses 95% of the narcotics that the world produces. Mm. And that Mm -hmm. is a, a, often past the the wounds of the body is attempting to salve the wounds of of the heart to numb out. Yeah. So the danger of, of loneliness isn't just that you feel alone. It's that you then there's, there's harm that begins through addiction Yes, because you are still trying to salve somehow. Absolutely. Right. Addictions is, and if it's not with somebody else, it's going to just be however you can comfort yourself. And we have to face that neuroscience. This isn't just Bible and are just social sciences. It's also into the neuroscience that neuroscience has told us point blank that we're connection-seeking creatures mm-hmm. that were made to be with yeah. each other, that the brain food is relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, this is so helpful, I know, yeah. for us and for everybody listening to just better unpack when we have that feeling, what it's pointing us to. And I think for all of us, as we get emotionally healthy, we need others, and that'll show up in all of these other feelings. So this is a great place to start. Welcome to the podcast, Max. We are so happy to have you. It's great to see you both and hear you both. I hope you're doing well. We are. We are. And we're excited to talk to you today because, you know, we're having this conversation about loneliness and and we know it's quite an epidemic in our society today. A lot of people reporting this feeling that they're having, that they're lonely. And yet so much of your work, and I know your pastoral work, is helping people navigate, well, what does that look like when you're feeling lonely? How do you move forward in that? And I'm just curious, from your perspective, in this cultural moment where loneliness is on the rise, how are you helping encourage people about how to cope with loneliness? You're spot on in terms of the epidemic of loneliness. And what strikes me is, uh, look at the statistics, is that it's most largely felt among millennials. Uh, that's the time in life in which you would ideally be creating a great circle of friends and lifelong partners uh, entering if if uh, if a person so desires to a marriage, uh, it would be the time in which you're creating associates and colleagues. And yet uh, millennials are is the age group in in which that uh, loneliness is 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 most severely felt. Um, consequently, then, anxiety is on the rise. Depression is felt most severely among young adults and, and teenagers. Uh, I was really struck yet the other day when I read a statistic that said 35% of logins on the computer, on the Internet, are for pornography. 
Um, I think that that's a, a manifestation of isolation and loneliness. And then the most severe statistic that we hate to keep citing, and yet it is truly, truly a statement about the difficulty of our day, is a 33% increase in suicides since 1999, uh, highest since World War II. All of these statistics are telling us that something is uh, woefully uh, wrong in our in our culture, and so I appreciate the the two of you because I, I feel like what you're doing is is helping us sort through uh, these these emotions and and try to grapple with them in a healthy and productive way that um, that is 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 just sorely needed in this day and age. I'm so grateful you talked about millennials and that that's one of the highest. Um, ratings for them at that age. And we were actually showing our kids college videos about six months ago. Meanwhile, we have a son who's a sophomore in college, a high school senior, and then also a 21-year-old son who's finishing out his trade school. And um, they were watching all of our videos, which are very poorly made and edited from, (laughs) from 30 years ago, 25 years ago. And they kept saying, looks like you guys are having so much fun. And we were doing basically nothing but goofing around. And, you know, it was when we had VHS, I guess, because we didn't even have anything on phone to record. But um, they said, and by the end of it, because we were reminiscing just about Gabe's mom who had just passed and we were watching a bunch of videos, but then inevitably we were watching college videos of us at their age now. And at the end, they said, watching this was really sweet, but it also kind of makes us sad that we're not seeing the same kind of interaction in our day. And it was kind of this time capsule moment for them mm-hmm. to appreciate something and then to try to acknowledge, like, why why is, why is, are we not having the same thing? And, and my son in college uh, texted us a photo about a month later of all his friends at a party all staring at their phones and kind of did a selfie of the whole group. And he goes, here's one of the reasons. And, you know, mm-hmm. and he wasn't trying to be judgmental or unkind, but just his eyes were opened a little bit more to the to the contrast of what we might have experienced as kids and what he's personally experiencing. And he's always been an old soul, so he kind of recognizes that. But I'm curious your insights on why that's the case for a lot of millennials today. I think your um, son's picture is truly indicative of of what we're dealing with. Uh, I'm in New York City today. I preached yesterday morning in, in San Antonio and caught a flight from San Antonio to New York. The flight was full. Um, I'm very thankful to report I had an exit row. So that's just a little blessing that came my <laughs> way. I sat down uh, and then the person on the window seat came and took her seat. The person in the middle seat took his seat. Uh, the person to my right across the aisle was my travel buddy. And so I did talk to him. Uh, but then the people to, on his row and then I noticed the people ahead of me within three minutes I mean, I mean, or five at most, everybody had on headphones. Everybody. Everybody was either watching a movie or put on headphones and, and, and was, you know, listening to music or taking a nap. There was no conversation, just absolutely none. I had no chit-chat. I, I think I said hello to, to my travel partners uh, on that row with me. And reflect back, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, uh, we didn't have a choice except to talk to one another. I mean, we could read books, uh, but the 
what what you're saying is that our society has set itself up for isolation. We we have cocooned ourselves into our worlds uh, thanks to uh, you know technology. And so, what do we do? That's a hard one. What do we do? How do we convince uh, ourselves to engage with the world around us? Uh, I I, th- I think that intentional conversation and relationship building is going to be what it takes for us to help a generation discover what was really uh, just the normal pattern of life 20 or 30 years ago. And I'm concerned that these abilities to initiate, sustain, uh, and uh, manage just basic conversational skills are not being developed because of what what we just described. And would that not contribute to this severe sense of, of loneliness when you feel that uh, you know there's there's a uh, there's there's no nobody with whom I can dialogue. I, I'm just a listener. I'm just a receiver of whatever entertainment is either on the airplane or, or on my phone. And that has to be a, a strong sense, a strong part of of this yeah there's there's that loss of any kind of connection that's meaningful where somebody sees you and they recognize you and you you engage and i think Mm -hmm. as we learn from chip dodd i mean part of the value of this feeling of loneliness is it drives us towards relationship like like all of these emotions move us closer to what god has for us which is relationship Mm -hmm. um you've written so much about the power of of the presence of God in our lives and the Holy Spirit as it relates to relationship. And and I know we're talking about physical relationships, but there's the spiritual side to this moment as well when somebody's experiencing loneliness to know that they really are not alone, even in a spiritual sense. Um, what are some of the ways in which we can recognize that God's with us when we're feeling loneliness? I believe one of the great untapped uh, discoveries for people is the awareness of the Holy Spirit as our companion. Uh, When Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit, he instructed us to remember first that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, Many people see the Holy Spirit as a force, like a surge of electricity, which is really unfortunate. How can you be friends with a power surge? But the Holy Spirit is a person, unseen yet undeniable. And the Holy Spirit is present, present. He is present everywhere, all over the planet. Every single person hearing these words and the billions who are not hearing these words is simply one prayer away from a conversation with a very real being. And this very real being, Jesus said, is our, he called him paraclete in Greek. It's a beautiful word. The one who comes alongside, the one who comes alongside. Uh, sometimes in the scripture there in John 14 is, is translated as, as comforter, other times advocate, other times intercessor. Regardless of the, of the translation a person picks, the idea is the same. And that is a friend, a friend, a heavenly friend, an unfailing friend is here. Now, whenever people first begin thinking about having a friend in the Holy Spirit, 
they immediately recoil because we're a very secular society. That's just an observation. It's not a judgment. We're a secular society in the sense that we are not spiritual people. Uh, we have been trained in our culture uh, to trust only that what what we can see and hear and taste and smell. And so uh, other cultures have not had the struggle with understanding the Holy Spirit as we have. Uh, and so we in our Western culture must open ourselves up to the possibility that the greatest force and the most intimate friendship is not one who uh, will come and physically sit down beside me or climb into bed with me. But the Holy Spirit is the invisible presence of God, the paraclete, who is in my life. Now, the great news is the paraclete will reveal himself. He will help us. He will help us. And when Jesus instructed the disciples about the Holy Spirit, he breathed on them. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And so in my simple mind, if Jesus breathed on them, it simply falls on me to inhale him. To, as I would day to day, take in a deep breath of life. So live with an awareness, open your mind to the possibility of a Holy Spirit and inhale him. Inhale him through prayer, through request, through conversation. Let your mind seek the presence of the Holy Spirit and he will help you. And I, I believe, and it's taken me decades to come to this, but I believe that my best friend is the Holy Spirit. My best friend is the Holy Spirit. And there are times in which I am all alone, but I can say I'm very seldom lonely because I have learned to nurture and the Holy Spirit has reciprocated a hundred times more in helping me develop this relationship. I love that you talk about uh, that he's our friend and prayer is just like opening our mouth and having a conversation. And I think growing up in church, I always knew Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is what we called it in the Baptist church. And that kind of creeped me out a little bit as a kid, not sure what the ghost was. And the older I got, I really came to encounter the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in a way that was very life-giving and freeing and beautiful and healing. And so now as an adult, it's kind of interesting to talk to the Holy Spirit because in prayer, I would always acknowledge Father or God um, or, or Jesus directly, but talking directly to the Holy Spirit, it's kind of sometimes when I begin a prayer, I'm like, I know it's all one, they're triune, a triune God, uh, but who am I addressing right now? And and what and what specifically, how am I doing that? And so I don't know if you've encountered that in different seasons of your like maturity spiritually or how you engage, but I know I'm catching myself a lot of times, especially in the middle of the night, if I wake up interrupted sleep or something and I just want to talk, I just immediately just address the Holy Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, this, that, or the other. And then sometimes I'm like, well, I'm reading Abiding with Christ right now by Murray about Jesus is the vine, and I want to talk to Jesus too. And how do you talk to, what would you say to a believer who sometimes is like, how do I navigate this Trinity in prayer? Because every role is uniquely different from Father, Son, and Spirit. But I think it helps us have handles for the Holy Spirit because we are so used to praying to God or to Jesus. How would, how would you encourage people in that journey? Yeah, I think I would say, first of all, try not to overanalyze it. Uh, 
we cannot mispray. Right. I'll take that back. Just <laughs> a hypocrite, a hypocrite, Jesus said. The person who stands on the corner and prays to be seen by people, that person is mispraying. But that's not what you're describing. Uh, and so do not think that if you pray to Jesus, uh, when you should be praying to the Holy Spirit, your prayers have no impact. The power of prayer has to depend upon the one who hears the prayer uh, as opposed to the one who offers the prayer. Otherwise, we've created yet another uh, hurdle, right? Another legalistic system. So I'm, I'm flipping through my Bible here to, to Romans chapter 8 that I, I think is so helpful in, in discussing this. Uh, I really am looking forward to meeting the Apostle Paul in heaven. How he knew this and how he could put these thoughts together. He just, he says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Romans 8 and verse 26. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Hmm. That's Thank great. you, Paul, for that yeah. honest admission. <laughs> right. You know, if you, the author of epistles, uh, the great missionary, the apostle did not know how to pray as we ought. Uh, how much more will we sometimes struggle? We don't know how to pray. We don't know. To, to we pray to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus, to the Father. Do we? Does it matter? Then he goes on to say, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. If, if that's... If that passage tells me, it reveals to me the tender side of the Holy Spirit, I think more than any other scripture. He makes intercession for us. In other words, uh, he, in my simple mind, I see, I envision a voice in the throne room speaking to Jesus and the Father, and it's the voice of the Spirit. And the voice of the Spirit is translating the words of Rebecca. And uh, maybe it goes something like this. Uh, Rebecca's prayer is, and then she, and then, and then that's stated. And then the Holy Spirit says, what she really needs is, <laughs> you know, she, she wants this change. Uh, we, being the Trinity, realize that this change is not the right thing yet. But Here's what we do know. And, and, and so your prayer by virtue of the power of the Holy Spirit, Rebecca, is translated. It's, he intercedes for you and he intercedes for you with, with groans, uh, which cannot be uttered. In other words, this is a heavenly, a heavenly tongue, a heavenly language that, that is understood in, in the, in the Trinity. That may have been a roundabout way to answer your no, question. I, I love that. I, isn't that a beautiful scripture? Yeah. It, it's just a beautiful scripture. And it, it, so let's not get too tangled up in to whom we pray. Let's be confident that the power of prayer is in the one who hears the prayer. And then let's just understand that even when we don't know that for which we should pray, uh, that we pray effective prayers because of the intercession of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Max, I think so many people today might say, look, I've been praying, I'm calling out to God, I still feel alone, I'm not sure he hears me, and you write in your new book, Help Is Here, about the idea of how do we hear from God, and I think that would help a lot of people today, just to hear a little more perspective on that. You, you mentioned specifically verse 
and voice as two of the ways we hear from him. Could you just describe that for people so as we go out from this conversation, they're they're listening anew? Yeah. Yeah. One of the questions that is most commonly asked, especially in terms of the Holy Spirit, is how does he guide us? How does he guide us? Uh, because we do struggle with uh questions and decisions. We stand at the crossroads and we don't know where to go. So I'm flipping my Bible still in the gospel of, I mean, in the epistle of of Romans to Romans 12 and verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The great news is that both for Gabe and Rebecca, there is a good, acceptable, and perfect will. Isn't that great news? That's just wonderful. And God has that for Max as well. So how does Max discover that? Well, first of all, we uh, do not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. That's what the scripture says. And then we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we allow the Holy Spirit to be the one who shapes our thoughts. And he does this through the verse, through the Bible, and through the voice, through the impulses. Now, the first one, the verse, that makes sense to us. We are an academic culture. We raise people to open books and follow those books, maybe an instruction manual or a, you know, a John Grisham book, whatever. We're, we're people of the book, people of the page. The second one, that voice, hmm, boy, this is where it gets a little tricky, but the Holy Spirit does speak to us through impulses through impulses. If my heart, and to the degree that my heart, is surrendered to God, then God will speak to me through a voice like this or through thoughts that I have. It's not that out of the realm of possibility, is it? If God owns me, and if he has turned my body into a temple of the Holy Spirit, would he not then requisition my thought pattern? and help me think clearly, help me think correctly. So as mysterious as this may sound to some listeners, I truly believe that you can say, Lord, what is your plan today in terms of, and then we fill in the blank, and then we can be quiet and we can listen to the voice. We can listen to the voice. Now, there are times that voice will go contrary to the verse. In those cases, the verse always wins, okay? God will never tell us to do something that goes contrary to his scripture. He's not going to tell Locato, you're in New York City, go rob a bank because nobody knows who you are and see if you can get by with it. That's not going to happen, right? Right. Okay, so he's he's going to tell me something through my thoughts that will align with scripture, but he will affirm those scripture-based thoughts through impulses or through thoughts. Through the, 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 the old saints called it the knowing, the knowing. There is a knowing. Oh, I had a knowing. I, I used to hear a lady say that. I had a knowing about that. And it was just a, a confidence. And what a blessing to know that we have both the verse and the voice working together to help us know the right way to discover God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, Max, thank you for taking time to just help us better understand 
this feeling of loneliness, but also how God's created a way for us to not have to feel that uh, in a way that drives us away from relationship, but actually takes us to the the most important relationship we could ever develop in our life. So we thank you, and we hope you have a good day in New York. Yes, thank you. Same to both of you. Fall is one of my favorite times of the year. There is so much to look forward to. But the holiday magic doesn't create itself. As soon as back to school is over, it feels like we're prepping for Halloween, then straight to Thanksgiving, and then Christmas. And I'm not complaining, I love all these holidays, but I definitely feel a bit overwhelmed when I look at my to-do list in these seasons. I've never been more grateful, though, for the meal prep habit I've developed, thanks to Prep Dish Meal Prep Meal Plans. Dinner time used to be a scramble in my house, and I seriously dreaded the what's for dinner question more than any other. Now, I don't even have to think about what to cook. I let Prep Dish take care of it for me. The founder, Allison, is both a dietitian and a chef, and I love knowing our meals are not only delicious, but also nutritional and balanced as well. Plus, she's a mom to two boys, so she gets the need to feed a family without spending hours in the kitchen each night. I also love the flexibility. Every Friday, I get four plans delivered straight to my inbox, gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and super fast, which makes it just one hour of prep. If I have a late meeting or a holiday party, I can easily cross a meal off the list. If I have family coming to stay, I can just as easily double up or add a meal from a different plan. I love knowing I have healthy meals waiting for me amidst all of the crazy of the season. If you've thought about trying Prep Dish, now is a great time to check out the free trial. Allison is offering listeners a free two-week trial. Check out PrepDish.com slash RFL for this amazing deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com slash RFL for your first two weeks free. Let me know how you like it. I love what he said about that she just had a knowing. I've never heard it said like that. I know. I thought you were going to say that sometimes I'm annoying. Annoying? Annoying. <laughs> of, of a knowing Sorry. that you're annoying? No. This is dad joke territory. Um, um, Max is so kind. I mean, I you know. just, you can hear it. I know all of you can just hear it in his voice, but man, he truly is like a pastoral mm-hmm. man and bringing us the truth, flipping through his scriptures, helping us to go deeper because we, we learn about these emotions like with Chip and we're talking through the psychology of it, how we're feeling, but it, it always feels good to get back to scripture. Yeah. And that's the goal of this series that we combine science and faith because we know that the Lord made our minds and our brains and our emotions, and we can study the neuroscience of all of that, but it's still um, grounded in Scripture. It's it's always congruent, and that's what he was even saying about the Holy Spirit is that that voice or those prompts that we're going to get are going to always be grounded in Scripture and God's Word because God doesn't contradict Himself, and that's that's one thing we know that we have— um, a, with a steadfast faith is that it's not going to change in our cultural landscape or our cultural moment that his word is living and active. And there's another verse I thought of while Max was talking about how the spirit lives and moves and has our being. And it's this kind of way of walking. There's another verse that says, walk in step with the spirit. And so as you listen or re-listen to today's episode about the Holy Spirit, think about ways you can pray more freely and and not hold back on things that you're—even longings or even promptings you might 
be feeling that you're getting from the Holy Spirit and you're not really sure where they're coming from. But just feel the freedom to pray into that, knowing that the Spirit goes before the Father and the Son on your behalf, and they want the best, the, the good and perfect and pleasing will of God for your life. And I hope you enjoyed the episode enough to where you'd want to share it maybe with a friend, share it with somebody who's walking through this challenge of loneliness. And also, we recommend Max's new book called Help Is Here, Finding Fresh Strength and Purpose in the Power of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful book. It's very easy to read. Lots of stories about making this conversation we were just having today about the Holy Spirit very tangible and and very real. I also want to encourage you to join us November 17 and 18 in Franklin, Tennessee for the Emotional Health Retreat, where we're going to have with us Dr. Kurt Thompson, Chip Dodd, John Elise Bevere, and of course, Rebecca and I hosting those two days in the charming downtown setting here in Franklin, Tennessee. We'd love to have you with us as we continue to explore emotional health. And you can learn more about that. You can register at RebeccaLyons.com slash EH Retreat, and we hope we'll see you there. 